All right, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the New Norm Podcast. Yeah. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? Yeah, you feel me? Okay. So it's a new month, February, like history month. Community wellness check in. How everybody feeling this morning? How y'all doing today, this afternoon? It's going good. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, y'all know what it is. Y'all can always follow us um, on Facebook, on IG Live. Again, we are the New Norm Podcast. And uh, introducing everybody once again, we got Janet Langford, who's going to be bringing y'all the word on the street. We got Christy Petway, who's going to be kicking it with KP later on. Ian Brooklyn with the writer's block, and we got Dariki's Chambers with D's Essentials. And we have a special guest today, Dr. Seema Gupta, who is the director of COVID services at Alethea House. Yeah, we, we couldn't edge y'all. So we do have a director of COVID services. She's going to be bringing some very timely information. And, uh, you know, y'all stay tuned. So, as always, uh new norm podcast community meets wellness y'all know what it is and we gonna go on and uh turn to janet langford the super producer with the word on the street what's the word janet <laughs> what's the word all righty so my word on the street today is a new vaccine clinic location is coming next week um a larger vaccine clinic is to open volumes expected to double a new community vaccine site will open next week in the tuesday morning building located in the market square shopping um center the address is 1716 opalaka road in auburn alabama and is nearby um the bitlocks the new clinic is a collaborative effort between EAMC and the cities of Arvin and Opelika with assistance from Lee County Emergency Management um, Agency. Vaccinations are by appointment only. Walk-ins are not permitted. So if you are in Macon County and Bullitt County, please make your way to the new vaccine. Also, my word on the street is I got vaccinated the other day. Um, Macon County also is doing uh, vaccines in their Macon County Health Department. So that is my word on the street today. Okay. Come with the word. Right. Let the people know. That's real, though. That's awesome. Awesome. I yes. heard she's trying to do 1.5 million people a day. That's what I heard. <laughs> On what, the vaccine? Mm-hmm. I'm trying and to say and also, mm-hmm. So how do you feel, Janet? Oh, so, y'all, it was actually, I think, I don't, I think it's a lot of the stigma behind it because um, the shot was not bad at all. Like my arm is just a little sore, but it was, it didn't burn or anything. The nurse I had was really good, but what was just a joy out of the whole thing was I was in there with, you know, um, like senior citizens and just like elderly people. And they were so excited about just, you know, um, getting vaccinated and you can tell that COVID-19 really did have just like an effect um on them so to see them excited about getting the vaccine I just 
felt like they had a sense of hope. And to wrap up the word with the street, you all, if people are getting vaccinated, you all, please do not go on social media, social media and slam and bash people for trying to do, you know, uh, what they feel is best to put their health and their family in just a safe environment. Just keep the positive vibes going. So it was good. Like, it was really good. That's awesome. That's awesome, Janet. And that's a great point yeah. um, that you make, honestly. Like, you know, everybody's doing the best that they can for their health. Um, I too have been vaccinated. You know, I'm my second shot. Yeah. Yeah. I get my, my second round on uh, February 19th. And, you know, some people, when I tell them, they're like, oh, just like D, you know, I'll say, I'm trying to be that number. I can't wait. But then you got other people. You know, I tell, and they get to telling me all kind of crazy stuff. I said, don't tell me that. I, I don't even want that energy mm-hmm. around me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I chose to go this route, and that was my choice. I understand. I'm not going to force anything on you, but please don't bring that negativity on me. Thank you. But uh, you that's a good Um, When did you get yours? I got mine, um, uh, like, maybe a week or two ago, maybe like a week ago. Wow. Oh, you want yeah. playing? I wasn't playing, and I wasn't even planning to get it. I was going to the health department for something else, and I saw all these people in there. I was like, "What y'all in here doing?" They're like, "Oh, we're doing uh, vaccines." And I told them where I worked, and they were just like, "Well, you know, you don't have an appointment," but they were like, "We might be able to squeeze you in." And so they put my name on the list, and I got squeezed in. So, um, okay. <laughs> so that was it. I got squeezed in. That was in Talladega County. So. I'm glad that you brought that up in the rural counties. Um, it is harder to get access to the vaccines. So um, that's really good news about um, about the clinic opening in Lee County. And let's be sure to mention to Dr. Seema, because we do actually have Alethea House offices in Lee County. We have staff out there. And so um, okay. Dr. always wants to be abreast of what's going on in the rural counties. So uh you know we'll we'll make sure to mention that when she comes on board so thank you janet that was a dope word on the show. Yes. that word yes. thank you thank you thank, thank you y'all. thank y'all mm-hmm. so next up we got the writer's block with ian brookin okay. what we got in all right where yet where yet Oh, oh, hold on. He, he oh. on mute. That's where he at. Y'all hear me? Nah. Right. So uh, for my segment, I'm just going to talk about uh, the benefits of writing poetry. Uh, from uh, from uh, the episode with Mel, he talked about poetry and how he's like, he started off writing poetry before or after he started writing raps. And I thought that was kind of backwards in a way because I was like, I feel like poetry should come before rap, but you know, whatever. But poetry is rap. So I just wanted to tap into uh, the benefits of writing poetry because I feel like that's something that I'm leaning towards tapping back into to kind of channel some stuff out. So uh, I got five uh, benefits of writing poetry. Um, the first benefit of writing poetry and to help with uh, especially dealing with emotions, dealing with all the stuff that's going on in the world, finding a way to center yourself. Um, the first one is it improves cognitive function. So basically, it makes you smarter. You, um, it makes you smarter by learning new words. Um, it makes you smarter by working out meter, 
finding new ways to articulate your thoughts to other people. So in a sense, to improve your cognitive functions, you'll find better words to use. Um, you'll find rhythm within how you write. So that's number one. Number two is it helps heal emotional pain. And I feel like everyone can relate to that. Everyone's dealing with, has done dealt with some emotional pain, probably been stuck in not knowing how to channel that emotional pain. Um, so grief is one of the most painful emotions we experience, and it's also a source of the world's most inspirational poetry. So um, realize that like um, most of the inspirational poetry you hear comes from pain. It comes from pain and channeling that pain, taking a negative and making it positive. Okay, the third one is it leads us to great self-awareness. By writing our, putting words to our emotions, we figure out how we feel, we're able to uh, get rid of the things that don't bring us positivity. It's a way of basically beating the emotional monster when you can't handle it. So um, it helps lead us to great emotion, uh, self-awareness. And number four, it provides a gift of inspiration and education. So you can, by writing poetry, uh, maybe the topics that you talk about in the poetry, can be relatable to someone who's reading your poetry because they'd be like, oh man, I thought I was the only one that felt this way. I can't believe this poem is really like tapping into what I'm feeling right now. So it lets people know that you are not alone in the emotions that you're feeling. You are not alone in what you are dealing with. A lot of people are dealing with the same thing and it's just a way to connect yourself with the poetry, with the art form, with the artist. So yeah. And last one, is, it helps us to celebrate. Uh, for some things, balloons and cake just don't suffice. Um, so it's joyful. It brings us, uh, it, it, you know, it's a joyful time to our lives. Um, you know, it's, it, it, just, it just helps us celebrate. It helps us being able to figure out, you know, especially when you realize that this, this is an art form or this is a, um, an outlet that helps you, um, you know, you may knock out five poems, 10 poems. You may feel good about yourself. And if you do do that, celebrate it. Whatever poem you write, if you can convey your emotions and articulate how you feel in an art form that way, celebrate it, you know, and just keep working. Um, you know, keep trying to figure out how you can express yourself um, in a positive light. So that is my, uh, my five uh, benefits to writing poetry. I hope, um, I inspire people to try it out. Um, you know, so that's it for writer's block. Thank y'all. Nice, Ian. Okay. Well, you was talking about celebrating. I was thinking about Hallmark cards. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my see God. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, let me try to make me a Hallmark card. Give me a dollars. <laughs> hey, man, you make, look, ha look, uh, people who make, like, cards make a lot of money, though. I'm you know serious. what I'm saying? So, yeah, it could be, you know, it could be your, uh, you know, the thing that taps you in. <laughs> yeah, it'll, be, it'll be something just short and cute. Yeah, short to the point. That's like, it. But happy birthday, I'll just say happy. On the inside, you got to say happy on the front, and then on the inside, you got to say birthday. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. People guessing. Really yeah. small. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. Really small. small. Yeah, you want to make it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why? <laughs> so has anybody else read poetry? Do we got any other poets? I, I know I, I'm a poet. I, you got me wanting to, to tap back in. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely tapping back in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I don't know if just writing down, you know, things you feel or, you know, just words that kind of inspire you would be poetry. But, you know, I haven't just sat down and made sure it made sense. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Well, one thing, I mean, I think anything that you write, I mean, this is all open to interpretation. You know, it's subjective. Um, there's no objective way of saying like, this is a good poem or this is a bad poem. It's just, you know, it's just a way to express yourself. But I also feel like you shouldn't force it. Um, I feel like if you like say, oh, I'm going to write it, like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this poem, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, for me, I can't force myself to write. I have to feel it. You know what I'm saying? I have to get that inspiration to actually sit down and either like, you know, write a poem or if I'm like, I may be inspired to make a beat. I may be inspired to like, you know, just write a couple of bars, even just to like write one word, um, write something. That's that's my whole thing is to write something every day just to get in the habit of, you know, just tapping into that creativity and not losing it. But I definitely believe, like, uh, if you force it, it, people will be able to tell that that you forced it. So, um, yeah, I mean, just you just gotta, you know, just one of the uh, a quote that I wanted to put on the poetry on the benefits of poetry that I read was uh, someone that said uh, the hardest thing about writing is sitting down to write. Once okay. you're able to sit down to write, then is nothing, but the hardest thing is actually being like, okay, I'm gonna actually like read something, or I'm actually gonna sit down. And a lot of times when I, I feel that inspiration, but I don't know what to do, a lot of times I'll put myself in a space where I'm open to like being creative, but I'm not forcing it. So if it comes, it comes, if it don't, it don't. But I still have my space to kind of like conjure up or channel some sort of creative uh, inspiration or something like that. So. Don't force it, but be open. That's that's what I got to say about that. Aww. That's my, uh, that's my uh, advice to all the young creatives and young poets out there. So, yeah. Uh, why this blog? So we're going to swing on around then to these essentials. Now we done elevated with our poetry. It's time to get essential. So what we talk about today? Hey, everybody. Uh, hey. Hey. Hello. Hey, Hello. D. Uh, so today's uh, essentials is it is essential to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. You know, like a lot of people don't take the time out to do that. And that is extremely important to make sure that you're actually going to get those three things. So um, the importance of breakfast. Breakfast kickstarts your metabolism, helping you burn calories throughout the day. It also gives you the energy you need to get things done and help you focus at work or at school. Those are just a few reasons why it is the most important meal of the day. Many studies have linked eating breakfast to good health, including be better memory and concentration. Uh, it lowers your cholesterol and you have a lower chance of getting diabetes heart disease, or just being overweight in general. 
Uh, many people skip the a.m. meal because they are rushing to get out the door. That's me. Uh, that is a mistake. You need food in your system long before lunchtime. If you do not eat first thing, you might get hungry later. Uh, and you're going to definitely eat snacks that we don't supposed to be eating, like chips and candy and cookies. Anything you probably get your hands on, you know what I mean? Because you, you didn't eat breakfast. Uh, breakfast also gives you a chance to get in some vitamins and nutrients from healthy foods like uh, dairy, grains, fruits. I love me some yogurt. I love um, some cereal. You know, uh, even just a piece of fruit. When you um, pretty much going wherever you're going for the day, it's not going to stop you. That's why a lot of people get those little granola bars and things like that because it's so quick. You can keep it moving, and then you got something on yourself. Uh, the importance of lunch. I love some lunch. Lunch is an important meal for everyone. It provides energy and nutrients to keep the body and brain working working efficiently through the afternoon. A packed lunch mate at home might be the best thing because you can kind of monitor what you're actually going to get. You know, like you don't have to go to Wendy's and stuff like that or mm. get your little Popeye's piece of chicken. You got to go to, you just get you a sandwich, <laughs> a salad or something, which will be better because you're planned it out. Um, lunch raises your blood sugar level in the middle of the day, making you able to focus for the rest of the afternoon. Um, if you feel sluggish, eat a little something, a small lunch, so you can build your energy back up. Okay, for kids, lunch is crucial because this is when they are getting their nutrients and vitamins for the day. A balanced lunch can provide them for the three channels they actually need, which is physical development, cognition, and uh, behavior. So when you got children running around, they don't know what to do. You probably need to give them a least piece of fruit or something. Give them a little crack or a piece of peanut butter or something so they can sit on down. Uh, you know, uh, you know. So without the nutrients of lunch, it, it, it's very hard for a person to, you know, mentally be there or physically be there because they're hungry. So your mind's on your stomach. You're growling. You're looking around trying to make sure nobody hear you. You know what I'm talking about. Um, so last but not least, the importance of dinner. Dinner is the main meal and it's important as breakfast and lunch. Dinner is often overlooked, uh, you know, because people are trying to lose weight. So, you know, they're like, I ain't gonna eat dinner because I'm trying to lose these few pounds, but that's not good. Dinner can cause you to actually gain weight when you don't eat it. So uh, this is due to, you know, when you don't eat dinner, you probably will have had, you know, fatty foods all these other things that in your your preparation to dinner. So you have had lunch, you had breakfast, you had a snack here, you had this, there. So you're like, man, I'm not going to eat dinner. You know, I'm just going to cut it. And that's not what you need to do. Dinner completes the food intake for your day. Meaning, so whatever you can get for your, from your breakfast and your lunch, you will actually get it from your dinner. You know what I'm saying? So you definitely want to have that. Um, and it's also good for the mental and um, not only your mental, but just the part of your psychological part, dinner does that for you because you've had a hard day. <clears throat> That's normally the only time that your family will probably get together, sit down and eat. Or when you have a stressful day at work, you know, sometimes you can come home and that'll be your only time for comfort is when you're sitting down to eat that dinner because you know pretty much your day is over. So. Um, that is the most, that's the importance of dinner. Um, 
So that's it with um, these essentials, y'all. Y'all just got to eat your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner, make it complete. But I know everybody got a favorite dinner or a favorite meal they like to eat. Um, what's y'all favorite dinner to eat through the day? Mm, I would probably have to say lunch. Lunch. Yeah. Yeah, I love lunch. Like, lunch is good to me. Like, I definitely like lunch. <laughs> It's like that balance. It's that balance. Oh, look, I don't know. I it's hard for me to choose. I it just depends on the day. You know what I'm saying? Like on the weekend, I like my breakfast because I can mm. take my time with it, you know, do a little French toast, a little omelet, something like that. Yeah. Lunch during the work week, you know, that, that pretty much is a fave. But I also like dinner. I like what you said about you know having family time with dinner because I've been real intentional here. Um, you know, lately with sitting down, you know, with the family, phones down, you know, let's enjoy a meal. So I think that is a wonderful, wonderful point. Yeah. Um, well, since I, I, I fast, so um, I guess dinner would be my favorite time to eat or my favorite, uh, you know. Uh, and probably meal. all the time you do eat. Mm. Yeah, it's only meal of the day because you fast. I mean, I mean, it's not the only meal that I eat, but like I snack uh, leading up to that meal. So I'll probably eat like some peanuts or like an apple or like some fruit, and then like um, when it's time for me to eat, you know, I just I just go ham. But um, <laughs> I would just say I just say uh, probably dinner would be probably dinner but it's yeah. weird because i would definitely eat breakfast for dinner at dinner time oh i will too so, Absolutely. yeah don't get it twisted now couldn't like but i love it eat cereal for dinner you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. i love a good waffle i'm i'm like a waffle you, you know i like breakfast you food. Not, i was just craving a waffle yesterday mr deal and listen, we gonna have to hook something up when we all can know, right. put together. We a eat a brunch, good old breakfast, a little brunch, you know, a, brunch. a little lunch, kind of. Mm, you know, yeah. I'm with it. I'm with it. Well, thank you, D, for those D's essentials, and it is important that we nourish our body. I tell my children, it's like with your vehicle, you know, you have to put gas in your vehicle for it to run. And our food is like our, our gas, that's our energy source. Yeah. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Like you would not think your car, if your car was completely empty and it didn't start up, you would know why, because it didn't have any gas. So okay. it's the same way with food. Yeah, that's our nutrients and stuff. Sure. So, so I always say we uh, eat to live, don't live to eat in the hell go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so wonderful. Well, so we have uh, come to the point of the New Norm podcast where we are going to bring on our very, very special guest. And today our special guest is Dr. Seema Gupta, who is the Director of COVID Health Services and Health Services Coordinator for Alethea House. And uh, she's so the co-founder of Seeking Her Empowerment, hashtag Make Women Safe, an organization which promotes women's safety initiatives in India and was instrumental in helping pass the Juvenile Justice Act. Prior to come to Alethea House, Dr. Gupta was uh, the founder and manager of a private practice, and she also consulted with Helen Keller International. Uh, Dr. Seema Gupta 
has a master's degree in public health. And so that is where a lot of this expertise comes from as it relates to COVID. And I'm going to go on and bring her into the show. And head to the show. Hey, Dr. Magupta. Good morning. Lovely to see everybody. We thank you for coming and joining us. And, um, you know, just for everything that you do for Alethea House, everything you've done, um, you know, it's a difficult time for everyone. Like I tell my staff regularly, we're not just offering services during COVID. We're actually living and surviving through a pandemic as well. And so um, the information that and, and just the services that you're able to provide, it helps us serve better, but it helps us live. And, and I can say at least for half of the staff, you know, we have personally benefited from uh, what Alethea House has been doing in the community as it relates to COVID. So I personally thank you and uh, thank you for taking the time to come on. We wanted to give you an opportunity to, uh, to talk about the, uh, the COVID vaccine. Um, Janet actually shared some good info during her segment about a new clinic opening in Lee County that's open in Lee County where they're vaccinating um there so um you know it's on a lot of people's minds so we definitely wanted to bring you on to, to talk a bit more about it great i um i'm so happy to hear that and that you guys are all sharing information i think that is so key right now and you're using such a good safe platform to do it um the key right now in getting through all of this like i said is sharing and supporting one another and with so much misinformation out there circulating, I think it's so important. Uh, that's why I was so glad you invited me to speak today, especially to you all who are in the community actively. The information that you all share with your peers and everyone that we serve is going to help clear some of the myths and the doubts and the worry about what all of this is. And you all are trusted sources. And so you can dispel some of the misinformation and guide people to really knowing what this is all about so that they can make an educated choice. And I'm always telling everyone, I'm not here to tell you that you have to get vaccinated. I My goal is to make sure you know what it's all about so that you can make an educated decision if it's right for you and your family. Um, and so that's why, that's what I hope to share with you all today is a little bit of the science behind it, but more so the safety and dispelling some of the myths and um, sharing it with you all, I hope will further get it out into the community. And I think at the end of just my, my brief session that I'll do with a slideshow, I will be very open to um, questions and answers um, as much as I can give. And I'm very honest with, if I don't know the answer to something, I will find it out, but I will never spread misinformation. So I will be the first to say, don't know, but we'll figure it out together if I don't know. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Idea, for introducing me. I'm Seema Gupta. Um, she shared that my background is in public health. I'm an optometrist by training, but my heart has always been in public health. And um, having lived abroad for many years, I have gotten to experience health and wellness in so many different aspects. So it has been a pleasure being back in the United States and back in Alabama, where I was raised, to get to share some of the um, experiences I've had and to uh, 
kind of be the face of Aletheia House during the COVID pandemic. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and start sharing some of this information with all of you. Um, uh, Dr. Ide, am I controlling the slides or you'll be going on to them? I think that uh, that Janet is controlling it. You're controlling it, Janet. Yeah, Janet is controlling it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Janet, we'll just go kind of at an easy pace. We can go ahead and get, um, I'll just say next, I guess, if that's okay. And the main thing that we're going to cover is understanding the vaccine. So now, why should you as an individual consider this? Depending on the different settings that you are in, um, you know, we assume that even if we are not living with other family members, as careful as we are on a day-to-day -day basis, we still are exposed ourselves and therefore we also spread that potential exposure. So getting vaccinated allows some sense of safety for yourself and those people around you, your family members, your coworkers, anybody, this community that you serve. The goal of the vaccine is to help spread, help stop spreading COVID. And one of the deadliest factors of COVID has been is people are spreading it without even realizing it. So many people are asymptomatic. And so without any malintent, they're still out in the community spreading COVID. And so the goal is with the vaccine is we stop the spread of it. Now, another thing with all of us being uh, visible in our community and being community leaders, if we get ourselves vaccinated, it helps build trust to those around us, our family, our friends, our peers, our coworkers. So for example, um, when I had the option to be vaccinated, I was vaccinated, I shared, and I will share in this podcast as well, side effects, how I felt, what I was nervous about, what was the actuality of the vaccine for me. And then I actually had people come to me and say, it felt good to hear you share your experiences. I'm a woman, I'm a woman of color. All of those things, I actually had people come and say, well, you did it and it gives me a little more confidence. So that is something else is we need to talk about it. We need to share our experience. Even if you get a little unwell, you will go on and have a slide in a little bit. We can go to the next slide, please, Janet, with all of the side effects of the vaccine. And I will share all of my specific um, side effects, as well as my elderly parents were just recently vaccinated. My father is 77, and I will share his experience as well. Some of the main questions that um, anyone in the medical field related to COVID is being asked is safety of the vaccine. How do we trust it? How do we know that it's safe? Where is the vaccine coming from? Where was it developed? What technology was being used? Why did it get approved so quickly? And that These are all very relevant concerns that I hope to address um, each of those. Also, I've been asked is once I'm vaccinated, can I go back to life as usual? Can I go back to not wearing a mask? Can we socialize? Can we have dinner parties? About that as well. Um, Janet, I'm so sorry, I can't see my slides anymore. We'll go on to the next one. Can you see them now? I cannot. 
Let me try. Okay, there it goes. Oh, I think there it is, Janet. And I'm see it now. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so let's firstly discuss the safety of this vaccine. People have asked a lot, and there's been a lot of discussion in the media of how did this vaccine get approved in months rather than in years. Um, firstly, that happened because of funding. The honest truth is money. Globally, countries, every organization was in a race to get a vaccine. So governments pumped money into this and it was expedited not on the checks and balances of a safe vaccine, but the bureaucracy related to it, the paperwork that goes behind starting a vaccine and all of those things, because all of those approvals happened much faster is the main reason that this vaccine was able to come across much more quickly. Side effects, another one of the great concerns of safety are side effects. Can I die from this vaccine? Is this vaccine going to change my DNA? Is this vaccine actually something by the government that is going to microchip us? You know, we've all been watching a lot of, and I'm not saying this at all in a negative way, but we see a lot of um, sci-fi movies these days where all kinds of scary things are happening. Um, so I was point blank asked by my 11 year old when I was going to get my vaccine, mom, are you gonna turn into a robot? And so these are all different concerns, whether it's coming from an adult or from a child that we need to talk through. The vaccine, you are asked to be monitored for six weeks during the process of the vaccine. So there's two doses. After the first dose, depending on which vaccine you're getting, receiving, the second dose is three to four weeks later. So you're asked to stay in touch with any side effects. 15 minutes after you're given the vaccine, you have to stay right where you are to make sure there's no allergic reaction. And then even up to two weeks after you're given the second dose, the center where you're vaccinated stays in touch with you. Are you feeling fine? This is the place you contact in case that you are not. Um, and then with trials of vaccination, there's a minimum number, whether it's a trial of a cancer medication or if it was this um, vaccine for the coronavirus. Minimum of 3,000 people have to participate in a vaccine trial. We had in the Moderna, there's two main vaccines that are approved right now in the United States, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. And both of them had over 30,000 participants. And that was human participants. Another reason these vaccines were also approved quite quickly is they also had animal testing. So, but a minimum of 3,000 human participants are required, and both of these had over 30,000. Next slide, please, Janet. Now, let's talk about how effective this is, okay? It is not a magic pill. It does not mean that we can continue or resume dinner parties and vacations without masks and traveling without masks. But these are highly efficacious. Pfizer is about 95% with Moderna 94.1 to 94.5%. What that means is, let me put it in perspective. Everyone has at least heard of the flu shot, if not had it in the past few years. 
this year we greatly encouraged it because symptoms of flu and COVID are so overlapping that flu shot was highly encouraged this year. The flu shot the past many years is about 65% effective. 65. Our meningitis vaccines are about 85% effective. And that is after years and years of research. And this is after less than a year, about nine months of research and testing. They are 95% effective. So it's actually quite shocking. The results are amazingly good and effective. And even the scientists who produce these vaccines were quite impressed with them. And this is across race, gender, and age. So it's not only 95% effective in young, healthy people. It's also 95% effective in our elderly population. So this is um, a tremendous rate of efficacy. Next slide, please. So again, just to share how many people were trialed, Moderna was actually over 30,000. Pfizer, BioNTech was over 40,000. And these studies continue. So as you all must have heard, that the vaccines are still not approved for children because they did not have enough children in the trial yet. So those trials are continuing. But in the adult trials, they had elderly adults and young adults 16 and older. And they had people from all races and all genders, all sexual backgrounds. They actually tried to specifically take a good snapshot of um, the world and not just have a demographic of young, healthy Caucasian Americans. They went across the board to make sure in their trial, they were able to study across all demographics. Next slide, please. The main thing I want to emphasize here is again, the speediness of this vaccine. It's not because steps were skipped at all. It is just because some of the red tape was removed. And then honestly, because so much funding was pumped into this. If you guys have ever worked on a grant for any kind of research, just getting funding can take a year. But because globally um, countries were willing to start, uh, everyone pitched in to pay for this. And after these two vaccines in the United States, we already have approved. Three others are in the pipelines. Globally, uh, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson have already started supplying in different parts of the world. Every country has its own checks and balances when they approve a vaccine. So there are globally five different vaccines that are starting to circulate now. In the United States, with our system of checks and balances, we've approved two, with a third one probably getting approved any day now, any day now. And so then we will also have the opportunity of a third vaccine, which will increase the number of vaccinations that are available. Right now, with only two vaccines approved, we are having a backlog, more are needed. The demand is higher than the supply. Uh, so that is why they've been doing it in a tier system with healthcare workers first, then people in um, congregate and nursing living facilities, and then elderly population. Because the supplies are limited, they haven't just opened it up to absolutely everybody. But the goal within the next few months is to do just that. 
Um, with anything that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has to um, approve, they use separate advisory committees as well. So they were not, uh, even though this was initially funded in the um, United States under Operation Warp Speed, it was not only the Trump administration that was approving this vaccination. It had to get approved by independent bodies as well. So two examples of this are VRB PAC and ACIP. That's just an example to let everyone know, because I also had questions and there's hesitation that um, people are not going to trust the vaccine that was released by the previous governmental administration in the United States, which is fair. Everyone is allowed to have their doubts. But let us know that it was not only approved by that administration. It went through individual vetting and testing as well. Next slide, please. Okay, now what does emergency use authorization mean? What is EUA? With EUA, a vaccine can get approved much faster. So again, the paperwork is reduced, uh, bureaucratic systems and red tape is reduced, but none of the steps of safety testing. Now with an EA, EUA stamp, this currently in the state of Alabama is not a mandated vaccine. Some vaccines that have gone through the lengthy process are then can be mandated. But currently in the state of Alabama, the vaccine is being highly recommended, but with an emergency use authorization, it is not a mandated vaccine for everybody. Um, but again, to emphasize, no steps skipped. It was thoroughly tested. Um, and that is not why it went through quickly, is not because steps were skipped. Uh, anything else I wanna review here? We talked about individual vetting, not just government approval. Um, and one big myth that you all will have to dispel in the community is that it came out too fast, which means it was not tested well for safety. Next slide, please. So I'm just repeating some of these main facts. Um, global effort, unlimited resources. We had the most money in the world being pumped into this. We had the smartest people working on this. No limit in technology. Imagine if we could do this in almost everything, how far we could succeed. But since this was a pending, this was a global crisis, um, international international agencies, countries, everyone came together to share manpower, technology, information. Oftentimes countries are not willing to share information, but because of COVID, they actually did, which was a good thing. And a large and diverse pool of trial participants. Next slide, please. Okay. So let me try to explain what does an mRNA vaccine mean, okay? Messenger ribonucleic acid. This does not touch our DNA. We can actually go to the next slide. It will help explain it better. This vaccine does not integrate into our DNA. It does not affect our genetics. 
So what this does, if you can see that everyone's seen an image of what the virus looks like, but in the background there, you see those little red spokes sticking out of the round globe. So those are called spikes. And each of those spikes carry mRNA information. It's what the virus recognizes as itself. What this vaccine is doing is it's mimicking that spike protein. It then introduces into your body a version of this spike protein. It is not introducing COVID to your body. But then your body recognizes that spike protein. And it's the same one that's found on the COVID-19 virus. And your body immediately thinks, this is an outsider. My body's being invaded by something that shouldn't be there. And then what does your body do? It creates an immune response. So it starts creating antibodies to fight that artificial spike protein that the vaccine put in your body. So that then in the future, if an actual COVID virus is exposed to your body, your body's going to say, I've already seen that. I already know how to fight this because I, my, your body has had that one spike protein mimicked inside. So then when and if it's introduced to an actual COVID virus, it's already going to fight it. So after the vaccine, we should never test, test positive for COVID. But after two to four weeks, if we did a, um, an antibody test, which is the blood test, it would show antibodies in our, in our bloodstream, which means our body thinks we've already had COVID. So we're ready to fight it. We have the immune response ready to fight COVID. So we actually won't get sick from it. Can the mRNA give me COVID-19? No. And will mRNA change my DNA? No, because it's a completely separate thing. Next slide, please. So now, if you get the injection on Tuesday afternoon, does not mean Tuesday evening you are immune against COVID, okay? So let me help you guys understand to share this in the community because that in-between time is very important. So two doses, currently the vaccines we have are two doses. Vaccines that are getting approved for near future release, there is one that's a one dose vaccine. The current ones we have are two doses. Pfizer is three weeks apart. Moderna is four weeks apart. After the first injection, we get about 65% immunity after one to two weeks. So if you have heard of cases of people getting COVID after they've been vaccinated, that is absolutely possible. Okay, this is not the magic bullet. We still have to take precautions. We have 65% safety after one to two weeks of the first dose. We have that up to 95% protection one to two weeks after the second dose. So you guys are familiar like in childhood or you're taking your kids still for their booster shots. Even tetanus requires a booster shot every few years. So we get the first COVID vaccine, then it's booster shot a few weeks later to enhance our immune response. Um, and we don't know yet 
do we need to take this after nine months? Do we need to take this again annually like we do the flu vaccine? What we do know is that it gives us at least three to nine months of protection. Why do we know that? Because that's how long we've studied it so far. So that's another thing about the quick release of the vaccine is it's not been studied yet for 10 years, but it will continue to be studied. We do know though that it is safe. There are no adverse effects. Long-term is the prediction. We don't know 10 years down the road, but we couldn't wait 10 years to start getting people protected from COVID. Next slide, please. And we do predict that it will be an annual shot. Yes, we will absolutely still have to wear a mask and social distance. So some of the unknowns of the vaccine is I'm vaccinated, which means if I get exposed, I should not get sick, but I might still be a carrier. So therefore I can still expose somebody else. So we still need to be careful. Every day we're hearing about the new variant. We already know about two variants, one that came originally, we think, from Spain and then into the rest of Europe, another one that's originated in South Africa. There's already cases known in the Southeast. The current vaccines are known to provide protection against those, but a virus changes. That's why every year the flu shot is a little bit different. Viruses mutate. So even though the current vaccines provide us some very valid and relevant protection, this virus can still be changing. It is changing. So we still have to social distance and wear a mask. The goal of getting vaccinated is to reduce the mortality that's happening in the United States, which means the number of deaths and how severely sick people are getting. Next slide, which might actually be one of the last slides. Okay, then there's one more just to talk about the uh, side effects and percentages of it. After the first vaccine dose, uh, you are expected to have soreness at the uh, site of the injection. That is the number one side effect. Then some people do report fatigue, headache, muscle pain, chills, or a low-grade fever. After the second dose, those are typically even stronger reactions. Why is that? Because your body is experiencing more of the immune response, so that's a good thing. It is actually good to know if you at least have the sore arm or a few uh, of these symptoms, the uh, vaccine is working. Next slide. So again, muscle pain at the arm, which is what I felt after both of my injections, was just like a punch on the arm. So a little bit more severe than when I had a flu shot. That was all I had after the first dose. After my second dose, I woke up with a mild headache and I did have some body aches and chills. So the, my children and my husband were all complaining that I had turned the heat up and I was still shivering. That lasted half of a day, half of a day for me. My father is 77 years old. He had um, injection site soreness and mild fatigue for less than 24 hours. So everyone's symptoms again can be different, but these are the majority of them. 
And I think the last slide is it. Can we go on to the last slide? So very important to get your second dose. I'm sorry, we'll actually pause just one above it. Uh, two more, I'm sorry. Would you go down, go previous two slides before the last one? Very important, I wanted to add to get your second dose from the same place. So if you got your first dose as Pfizer, your second dose needs to be Pfizer. If it was Moderna, it should be Moderna because each of the vaccines are a little bit different. So to get maximum effectiveness, your second dose needs to be the same vaccine. And remember after only one dose, you only have 65, approximately 65% 65 safety. After the second dose is your, your really good numbers of 95% safety. I encourage all of us to share in the community to not only believe what they read on social media. Encourage your peers, the people that you work with and are surrounded with, if they have questions, ask the right sources. Go to Centers for Disease Control. Go to Alabama Department of Public Health. Ask a medical director. Not only what you read on social media. And I shared this when we had this discussion with the Aletheia House Group. My very sweet mother thinks everything she reads on Facebook is the word of God. And I have had to beg her to please stop trusting only these things. And so you will have this from your community, your family, your friends as well. And you're welcome to share the slideshow. Um, Dr. Idea has this, and this is from the ADMA's website. Um, I'm only quoting sources from CDC or the ADPH when it's relevant to Alabama. So we have to discourage misinformation. And now just the last slide, one more. Everyone has to do their part. For us to really get global benefit from the vaccine, 70% of the world needs to be vaccinated for us to envision the world of what it was a year ago. For us to start to return to a mask-free, hugging, hand-holding, loving on our grandparents and our friends and our family and kids returning to school, we have to do our part. We do know that this vaccine is safe. We do know that it's 95% efficacy, which means effective. Uh, we need to encourage uh, the community and our friends and our family to start getting vaccinated. All right, so that's all of my uh, talking through the slides. Please ask me any questions or doubts or concerns that have come to you and I will do my best to answer them. I was wondering, uh, Dr. Seema, what, so you said it takes about 70% uh, of, of people being vaccinated. Where would you say we are, you know, how, how close are we to that 70%? Let's uh, say just here in Alabama. We, uh, I can tell you in the United States, there's been about 31 million vaccinations. So we are not there yet. Uh, firstly, that is also because of a backlog. You know, there's more demand than there is supply. Uh, but once we are vaccinated and our greater community is starting to get vaccinated, we will have less of these horrible statistics 
that we hear every day. You know, number of people getting sick, number of new infections, number of people dying. That is the number we want to greatly reduce. For us to return to a snapshot of what we had a year ago is 70%. But as soon as our community starts being vaccinated, our statistics will improve. Awesome. And uh, go ahead, Dee. Um, I was wondering about like a household getting vaccinated. Um, should they all go at one time or should they go in increment? Um, well, that's going to depend on two different things. One is availability of the vaccine. So different counties in Alabama are already ahead in the rounds of vaccination than we are here in Jefferson County. In Jefferson County, um, we just opened up 65 and older this week. Other counties have already moved on to teachers and congregate settings and people at higher risk. So in a household, if there is a... Um, a member of the family that's 75 years old, they would go ahead and be able to get vaccinated. But then if there is a 50 year old, they might not qualify yet to get vaccinated. So that would also determine it. And then another thing that depends, if um, a husband and wife, I'll use this example, are nervous to be vaccinated together. So let's say two elderly people live together by themselves. If, if they're both having side effects at the same time, that might make them be a little bit weary to do it together. They might let one do it and then a week later, the second. So that depends per household is which round your county is vaccinating and who would qualify. And then just a personal decision, um, the mild side effects, do they want to do it at the same time or stagger them a little bit. Um, it is encouraged that as soon as, especially the elderly population, when they get called that there's a vaccine available for them, encourage them to go get it. And so with my parents, they both got called together to do it. And I told them, don't worry, I will cook dinner at night. I will come and be there to support you rather than you guys doing it one at a time. Awesome. So that's a great way community can pitch in, is especially mm -hmm. with our elderly population, if they are worried about side effects, is encourage them to go get it done. And let's see if the community can support them for a day or two. Thank you. Do we have any idea of when the vaccine will be approved for children under 12? Probably not until the end of the summer because it is still in trials. So right now it's 16 and older, uh, but 16 and younger is not approved yet. Gotcha. Awesome. Do anybody else have any other questions? Oh, I think that was big. She yeah, that. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yes. So informative, just you know, in plain language and in real. Because I knew you were going to. We have, you know, we serve ten different counties um, through community wellness. Um, from Birmingham, Jefferson County, you know, all the way to the Black Belt. And it's just um, diverse experiences and, and people have valid concerns. But like you said, the big thing is sharing accurate information. And, um, you know, I feel really good about knowing that we're doing our part with getting that word out and, and people really need to hear it. So thank you, uh, Dr. Seema Gupta, for what you're doing because, I mean, it's the public health um, 
area is, is so major right now. Like this is just showing us how important it is. So we thank you for the service that you're offering and taking time and being on the New Norm podcast and uh, being so thorough. I appreciate you guys wanting to participate, to understand this and um, to further disseminate this information in our communities was so important. And I am always available. Dr. Idea knows how to reach me if you all think of any questions at another time. But I do have one more question. Take this show on the road, because I'm telling you, there may be people who want you to come and speak. Like, honestly, a few people have been sharing the flyer. And, uh, you know, are you available? Or well, how, how does that work? <laughs> you know, these days, it is been very hectic around here. Um, but I am always available for our community. Um, well, thank you so much. Round of applause. Woo! Get a little clap and sound. But uh, thank you so much for coming on and for the work that you're doing. And uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time out and, and just uh, informing us, enlightening us, and enlightening our viewers and community. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. All right, y'all. So, woo. That was heavy stuff, no, but I feel really. like I understood it. It was. Yeah, it, it was good. She kept it real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not she said those heavy. things. Everything oh, that, that I awesome. need, she hit on it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. My main concern yeah. was the expedited you know, release of it. That was my main thing. But, you know, with what she said, is so many people pitching in and wanting to get it done. It's a global, you know, tragedy if you will the global pandemic everybody's experienced it so you know i think that's probably why everybody's more hands-on and want to get it done so i get that and unlimited resources nearly and when she said that, that i was, said wow that was, yeah. oh yeah that, that was the key you know <laughs> that was the key and then she said imagine if we took right. that same energy with everything and that's when they were just like wow yeah. I mean, when they say, you know, like I tell people, money isn't everything, but money is a resource. Mm -hmm. And when you have money, you know, there's things that can happen. And, you know, let this be the example. So she spoke wire. That that thing got spiritual for a minute. I don't know yeah. <laughs> if yeah. she meant it, but I was like, yeah. Woo! wow. Yeah, but, uh, just to know that you don't have any distractions or any obstacles there to try to uh, you know to stop you along with the resources of the money and then the smartest people and then no interruptions and you know like that's just just mm -hmm. ultimately that it's going to win you know like you don't have it don't have, doesn't have a choice i mean to say yeah one thing that i really admire is that um she spoke facts and um, we learned in one of our, you know, prevention trainings that you can argue with opinions, but you can't argue with them. Yeah. Um, and hey, that gave me everything that I needed to know. I feel like every myth or stigma that, uh, you know, people are just, uh, you know, saying she just completely, and she did it so gracefully. With yes. <laughs> yes. Grace, graceful. Yeah. And and just speaking in plain, understandable terms, but being open and honest. She was really in tune with the information I believe is true. And she spoke straight to it. I was surprised when she brought up the DNA thing and the microchips. 
But that's what people are saying. Like, you get the, you know, the vaccine and they it's changing your DNA. And, you know, what she said about her mom and Facebook. I'm like, you know, she just is is being down to earth. That's really where we are in society. Yeah. So I'll um, go ahead on and throw it out there because I know that's what y'all thinking and y'all not going to say anything because I never would have want to be like, what about that chip? But I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> okay. no, the DNA actually, I was looking at, you know, just the stuff yesterday and I was, when I, I think I saw like mRNA or something and I was like, is this charging from this fucking tummy? Really though, Janet? There's an ass in there. Uh, in there though. Um, but when she said that, I was like, okay, because you know, you you just you just don't know. And especially when it comes down to just black belt rural counties in general, education is key. Um yeah. educating the communities, like that that was amazing. It was amazing. And so now, like she said, you know, we are doing a service by having it on the podcast, but we need to continue to share this information because, I mean, this is major. This, you know, this is this is major. And when we look at how uh, the virus has affected um, disenfranchised communities, black communities, I mean, you know, the, a lot of the people that are most hesitant are the communities that need it the most. And so, you know, it's just important that we get this info in the hands of the people. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. This was, this was awesome. Um, I mean, that, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because, um, you know, it, it's just, it's like we cannot push that info too much. You know, I, I just feel like a, a voice and coming from, you know, her background and just her understanding of the community, that is a message that needs to be amplified. And we're not hearing that enough. We're hearing all kind of, you know, people like Janice said with opinions, no knowledge based about it at all. You know, they went to YouTube University. And they're influencing the public, you know, but you have someone who is really in tune with what's going on with the real information that we need to push. So um, good job, guys, on, on selecting or recommending that we get Dr. Seaman again. Kudos to um, Chris Rattan and Gloria Howard for even having the foresight to hire her. They, they put the call out to create this position, I think in like May or April of 2020, like we're so far ahead of the curve, you know, and so even, you know, it just speaks to Alethea House as an organization and, and just um, our motto of being a special kind of caring, you know, understanding that this is, you know, a long-term situation we're going to deal with and we want to be ahead of the curve. So, you know, this was, this was really good. Well, y'all, we have come upon uh, the next segment, which is Doc's Corner with moi. And y'all know how I do. We stay hip hop all day. So I am going to be highlighting. I'm going to be highlighting the mother of hip hop, Miss Cindy Campbell. So Cindy Campbell, um, a lot of times uh, she's one of those unsung heroes, one of those hidden figures that we don't hear a lot about in hip hop. Her brother, DJ Cool Herc, known as a, a father of hip hop, he, his name is pretty known, but it was actually Cindy at the age of 17 who uh, had the vision to create this block party 
in the Bronx. Um, and uh, she bought party because she was trying to raise money for uh, back to school clothes. So she decided to have this block party and um, she invited her brother, her little brother to be the DJ. So uh, it was good for him, for Cool Herc to DJ because it put him on the map, uh, but it helped Miss Cindy raise over $500. She was only charging a quarter for the girls to get in, 50 cent for the guys. But what this became, this block party on August 11th, 1973, it became hip hop's birthday. It was the birth of hip hop because the people that came to the party represented the original four elements. So you had the DJ and Cool Heart. You had the MC uh, or who we call today rappers. You had the B-boys and B-girls or the breakers. And then you also had the graph writers all in one space. Um, so I had the opportunity to meet Miss Cindy Campbell and talk to her about this party. And so she said that at the party, all ages was there. Like, of course, she invited her friends, but she said the aunties, the grandmamas, the mamas, everybody was at this party. And she said that she really believes because the energy was so right and it was multi-generational. That is why this ended up becoming hip hop as we know it today. You know, who would have thought a little 17 year old girl with just the idea to throw a party would burst that has gone on to be a global multi-billion dollar phenomenon that affects every area of life at this point. So um, for Doc's Corner today, we are saluting the mother of hip hop, Miss Cindy Campbell. Make sure y'all let her name ring loud and proud this Black History Month because hip hop does have a mother. And, uh, and it's wonderful to, to think that as a teenager, this uh, budding entrepreneur did something that has literally changed the world. So that's my corner today. Shout out to Miss Cindy Campbell. Yes, Miss Cindy Campbell. Yeah, okay. Okay, Doc. Miss Cindy. You all check out her her outfit. That people that's coming back in style. Wait, oh, yeah. it is yeah. back in style. Okay. Because when you sent me the picture, I was like, okay, who is that? And that looks modern, almost like modern day. Yeah. yeah, and that was from the 70s. That's from like the early 70s. That for that picture, she did that. So, mm -hmm. that's what's I'm up. Too. I'm too. Yeah, so we have had a job. Y'all know how we we round the corner on the way before we before we hit the door. We gotta check out uh our girl Miss KP. We're gonna kick it with KP. She's gonna have this something for us today. Just for a moment, just for a moment. Well, again, good morning, everyone. The podcast has been well thus far. So today we're actually going to talk about coping. What is coping? How do you cope? Why is it important? So, um, of course, coping is just investing one's own conscious efforts to solve personal problems, to minimize the stress or the conflict. So we oftentimes hear that people, you know, cope with things differently, you know, whether it's music, um, writing, poetry, journaling, running, whatever your style is. But there are three specific types um, of strategies to cope. Your appraisal, which is your first one. This is when people modify the way they think about the problem. So it's basically your perception, how you, um, you know, see things. Is it that big or it's not that serious? So, yes, people do 
cope differently, and this is why. Your second strategy is your adaptive, where you try to deal with the root of the problem. So that's more or less, of course, well, why am I doing this? Why is this relevant? What happened? How can I change this? So you're more or less trying to deal with why something is happening. And your last one is your emotion. You're trying, which is where you're managing the emotions surrounding your stress. You're trying to work out, am I crying? Do I want to, you know, punch walls? I hope not. But um, <laughs> am I singing? Am I screaming? Whatever your type of, you know, emotion that you have when you get mad, when you get um, let down or disappointed, whatever your emotion is around that, that's pretty much where that is. So, yes, it is true. People do cope differently. And this is why, because there are three different types of strategies that people use to cope. I myself, I think I'm more or less a, a I don't know, I think I'm a ball of them. I think I use all of them. It just depends upon what I'm coping, if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, you know, just decide how you want to cope. But the thing is, make sure you do cope positively, whether it's, you know, journaling, exercising. I love retail therapy. That is real. I love to shop. This is real. Um, and another thing, I'd like to go to the nail shop. So that's my personal self-care. That's a coping mechanism for me. I know, right? Um, so yeah, winding it on down. Just a quick little quote for you all. Um, I didn't know it was Groundhog Day. So happy Groundhog Day. Um, I didn't know it was oh, it is Groundhog Day. I know, I didn't know it either. I haven't, I guess there's been so much going on in this year already <laughs> that nobody talked about it. Or maybe I just don't watch the news. Either way, didn't know. So happy Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Anyway, so either way, a smile is an inexpensive way to improve your looks. So just keep that as you go throughout the rest of this week. Um, I love to smile. It's definitely free. Costs nothing to smile. And like I can tell a lot of people smile and you look better. So, you know, just keep stay encouraged. Decide how you want to cope. But smile and be great. And of course, as always, when you listen it with KP, be kind because kindness is free. Nice, nice, nice. Well, thank y'all again for tuning in to the New Norm Podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that yes. we bring you something fresh twice a month. And then you could always go back and watch a previous episode if you are so inclined. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and on IG at AH Community Wellness. We are also on YouTube and you can find us on Anchor. Uh, check out the Elite House website, which is specialkindofcaring.org and get at us, man. We love to partner, collaborate. Uh, we have some new fresh things on the horizon. Uh, we are doing an event on March the 24th details coming soon uh where we will be talking more about uh prescription drug misuse and the upcoming prescription drug take backs so again community wellness all about so thank you guys so much for tuning in to the new norm podcast the co-host y'all are always amazing thank you again to dr Seema gupta uh we appreciate it and always uh new norm podcast for community wellness we'll see y'all soon Peace. Stay off.